Hi, this is Sam. And this is Anuel. And this is Murderous Intention. Hey guys, um, so as we're winding down um, the last weeks of February of Black History Month, we are acknowledging a lot of, <clears throat> sorry guys, we are acknowledging a lot of um, people who are now becoming new reasons for changes, for showing why, you know, um, there should be more empowerment and more assistance to the black to black history to our African Americans um, citizens who are just getting pushed back and their cases are getting pushed back. Um, we go all the way from Edmund Till all the way now to Breonna Taylor, you know, from and George Floyd. There's also you know Trayvon Martin. Reese Taylor, you know, there's so many people that have struck our history now than just our our regular, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, and from there, and Malcolm X, you know, okay. you kind of want to say these, sadly, they went through what they went through, but they have been now creating a new history that says you know what we didn't die with no purpose we we died yes but now we're making changes you know brianna helped with the no knock warrant you know which was i think is a whole bullsh thing you know like, i don't think you should ever do a no knock you know or change it you know, five minutes prior to the whole thing of, you know, change it to an announce and knock kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, with George Floyd, we did the change of um, putting a knee on someone's neck when you're arresting them, you know, and then waiting forever just to seek medical attention. Um, so these are changes that are being made, and some of these changes do take time you know so just waiting for those changes to be completely in effect um there is a process there are needed approvement approving um so let's see how life goes once all these new rules are made that's all agree um, and you have to go, you have to cut all that red tape that's in the way of the change that needs to happen. Yes, you do. Um, so this, this episode today is actually your case. Yes. So who are we talking about today? Um, we're talking about the murder of Ahmad Arbery. Um, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, it's a shorter way that I normally do it. I'm not going into the history. I want to deal with the case, tell you all about the case. Um, and the convict, you know, at the end, the conviction and what, what ended up happening. Mm -hmm. Um, just because this is one of the ones that are, That's like my heartstrings. Like that, you know, that pissed me off. To be a hundred percent honest with you, yeah. um, so that's why I'm, I'm not, I'm not going through what we normally do, as far as um, giving you the back history on everybody and all that. I just want to give you the case, tell you about what happened, tell you the verdict, and then we can draw our own conclusion. So it's probably, I'm hoping it's gonna be a shorter video than the last two or three. Okay. So are we ready? Uh, we're ready whenever you are. I got my listening ears on. Okay. So, um, I'm going to quickly discuss the per the persons involved. 
Um, Ahmad Marquez Arbery, born May 8, 1994, nicknamed Mod Arquez, um, was 25 at the time of his death. He frequently ran for, um, for exercising, including regularly in Santilla Shores, a neighborhood close to the city of Brunswick, Georgia. Arbery lived in Fancy Bluffs, a traditional black neighborhood across the U.S. Route 17 highway from Centilla Shores, which was around two miles away. He graduated from Brunswick High School in 2012, where he was a football star. As a linebacker, he was known for his speed and agility. Among his teachers and friends, he was known for his sense of humor and big heart. He attended South Georgia Technical College during fall of 2012 and spring 2013 to change for a career as an electrician. He paused his studies to save money by working in his father's car wash and landscaping business and had plans to re-enroll. According to news sources such as ABC News, Fox 5, Atlanta, Arbery was received, had received five years probation for carrying a gun on school grounds in 2013. A year after he had left school, and that probation had been extended in 2017 after he had been caught shoplifting in a Walmart store in Brunswick. I don't understand why they added that, but okay. Um, Gregory McMichael, born December 23rd, 1955, then 64, previously worked as a Glen County Police Department officer from 1992 to 1989, and as an investigator for the Brunswick Judicial Circuit District Attorney's Office from 95 to his retirement in May 2019. In 2018, McMichael had helped an investigation in the DA's office about Arbery's shoplifting charge, which led to a subsequent revocation and extension of Arbery's um, probation. It is unknown whether McMichael remembered this when he encountered Arbery on the day of the shooting. There was no mention of McMichael's previous affiliation with Arbery in the Glen County Police report on that day. The prosecution later said Arbery's charges had nothing to do with his murder. Sure, you're right. Um, Travis McMichael, born January 18, 1986, then 34. Gregory McMichael's son, former U.S. Coast Guard mechanic between 20, 2007 and 2016 with some training in law enforcement. And then the, la the last person is William Rowdy Bryan, born August 19, 1969, then was a neighbor of the McMichaels. Um, a video of the incident was recorded by Bryan using his cell phone from his vehicle as he followed Arbery jogging down the neighborhood road. The video showed Arbery jogging on the left side of the road when he encountered a white pickup truck. A 13th generation Ford F-150 that had stopped in the right lane. Gregory McMichael is standing in the truck bed while Travis McMichael initially stands beside the driver's door with a shotgun. Brian's vehicle comes to a stop behind Arbery and the pickup truck. As Arbery approaches the pickup truck, shouting can be heard. Arbery then crosses from the left side of the road to the right side and runs around the passenger side of the truck. After passing the truck's front, Arbery turns left. Meanwhile, Travis McMichael, holding his shotgun, approaches Arbery at the truck's front. The camera's view of the confrontation between Arbery and Travis is, is momentarily blocked. Excuse me. Several media accounts of the video report that the audio of the first gunshot seems to be heard before Arbery and Travis struggle with each other. Some media accounts first report a struggle and then mention the gunshots. Other media accounts describe that it was not possible to see from the video what was happening when the first gunshot was fired or report that the truck blocks the view of how the men first engage each other with regard to when the gunshot was heard. Travis and Arbery are seen to grapple over the shotgun while, while struggling, both men disappear off camera view on the left side of the, of the frame, after which the audio of the second gunshot is heard. 
When they reappear, Aubrey throws punches and tries to grab the shotgun. The third gunshot is heard being fired by Chavez at point-blank range as Aubrey appears to throw a right-hand punch at his head. Aubrey recoils, stumbles, and collapses face down in the middle of the road while Chavez walks away. Gregory McMichael, who was taking out a handgun but has not fired, runs towards his son and Aubrey. Um, so prior to the investigation by the Glen County Police and prior thefts and trespassing incidents reported. In December 2019 and January 2020, residents of Santilla Shores reported three break-ins hour deaths. On December 8, 2019, a Santilla Shores resident reported rifles stolen from the resident's unlocked car. Police recorded a theft on December 28, 2019. On January 1, 2020, Travis McMichael filed the report of a firearm stolen from his unlocked truck. On February 11, 2020, Travis called 911 to report a slender six-foot-tall black man with short hair, wearing red shorts and a white shirt, who was trespassing on the site of, of a house under construction. Travis said, I've never seen this guy before in the neighborhood. The, the dispatcher asked whether Travis was okay, and he said, yeah, it's just startled, uh, startled me. When I turned around and saw him and backed up, he reached into his pocket and ran into the house. So I don't know if he's armed or not, but he looked like he was acting like he was. We've been having a lot of burglaries and break-ins around here lately, Trevor said on the call. He told the dispatchers that he was out in his truck and that as many as four neighbors were out looking for the man. His father, Gregory, was one of the people out searching that night, and Gregory and at least one other neighbor were armed. Police responded and searched the house along with the neighbor, but found no, no one. However, surveillance video from that evening showed a man who reportedly looked like Arbery, briefly walking in and out of the house under construction. He did not take anything. The under construction house did not have doors or windows. No evidence has emerged of Arbery committing burglaries or thefts in Frontier Shores. Um, on February 23rd, in the minutes before the shooting, a security camera camera, excuse me, installed on a residence across the street from the house under construction, recorded a man identified by his family as robbery walking down the road and into a house. A second security camera installed within the house recorded a man identified as robbery by his family looking at the interior of the house. Approximately five minutes later, he left and began jogging down the street. After the man left the house, the first camera on the residence across the street showed the white pickup truck heading into the man's direction, followed a few minutes later by two police cars. Um, two calls to Glen Brunswick 911 dispatcher were made just before the shooting. In the first and then unidentified male caller said another man was in a house that was under construction. The 911 dispatcher asked if the man was breaking into it right now. The caller replied, no, it's all open. After the caller said that the man was now running down the street, the dispatcher said police would respond. The dispatcher asked at 1.09 p.m., I just need to know what he was doing wrong. Was he just on the premises and not supposed to be? The caller responded with some parts garbled, saying, and he's been caught on camera a bunch of a bunch at night. It's kind of an ongoing thing. The caller identified the man as a black guy, white t-shirt. The first caller was later identified in court as neighbor Matthew Albanese. In the second call beginning at 1.14 p.m., a male caller said, I am out here at Centilla Shores. There's a black male running down the street. The 9-11 dispatcher asked, Where's, where at Centilla Shores? The caller replied, I don't know what street we're on. The caller shouted, stop. Watch that. Stop. Damn it, stop. The dispatcher tried to speak to the caller, but did not receive a reply for, for several minutes. 
the caller later hung up. The second caller was later identified in court as Gregory McMichael. <clears throat> um, so the police officer's report, the GCPD reached the, the scene immediately after the freedom shooting. The responders, the responding officers reported, report, excuse me, the responding officers report relied most, almost entirely on the interview of Gregory McMichael, who was described as a witness, which I don't think that's right, but okay. Gregory said he was in his yard when he saw an unidentified man running by. He said he recognized the man from a prior incident the other night when he said he saw the man reach into his pants as if for a weapon. He called to his son Chavez and said, the guy's running down the street, let's go. Gregory bought a 357 Magnum revolver while Chavez bought a shotgun in their pickup truck. Summer Michael said that they pursued the man because he um, resembled a suspect in a string of local burglaries. But the police said that they had been only one recent theft from an unlocked car in the neighborhood. <clears throat> Travis attempted to cut off the man with the truck, or excuse me, with his truck. The man turned and began running back in the direction from which he came. The report states a third person who was unidentified, excuse me, who was identified as Rowdy, also tried to cut off the man, but failed. Gregory said he saw the unidentified man and yelled, stop, stop, we want to talk to you. And that they pulled up the man with Travis exiting the truck with the shotgun in hand. Gregory claimed the man began to violently attack Travis before two, two, two shots were fired. The man died on the scene after bleeding out. The report concluded authorities later identified the man as robbery. <clears throat> the autopsy report released by the GBI ruled Arbery's death was a homicide caused by three gunshot wounds he sustained during the struggle for the shotgun. That fired those, sh um, that fired those shots. One gunshot wound to the upper left chest, one gunshot wound to the lower middle chest, and one gunshot caused a deep gapping graze wound to the right wrist. There were no alcohol or drugs in Arbery's body other than a tiny amount of THC. The psychoactive component of cannabis. The trial took place in Glen County Superior Court in Brunswick after every Brunswick judicial circuit judge recused themselves from the case. I'm gonna read that again. The trial took place in Glen, in Glen County Superior Court in Brunswick after every Brunswick judicial circuit court judge recused themselves from the case. Chatham County Superior Court Judge Timothy Ramsley became the child judge. Um, judge Ramsley made the following pre-child jury rulings in 2020. So, it, this, this case took forever to come to actual trial and, be, and for them to be sentence and all that. So now we're in 2021. Um, he denied a prosecution motion to bar testimony that the neighborhood was on edge at the time of the murder. He ruled that the defense could not introduce evidence of Arbery's prior bad acts, noting that McMichaels was unaware of Arbery's past at the time of the murder. He justified his ruling by saying that the character of the victim is neither relevant nor admissible in a murder trial and that such evidence might also mislead the jury into thinking that Arbery's murder was somehow justified on potential future um, dangerousness. He ruled that the defense cannot introduce Arbery's mental health records as evidence, citing Arbery's medical privacy. Onzi also stated that a nurse in, nurse's 2018 diagnosis of Arbery having mental illness was highly questionable and may unfairly prejudice the jury. He ruled that the prosecution could let the jury listen to the recorded phone calls 
made by the jailed McMichaels initially limited gag order on trial lawyers not to comment or on inadmissible evidence, including evidence that should reasonably know will be ruled inadmissible at trial. He excluded evidence of many amounts of amounts of THC detected in Robbery's body after his autopsy, excluded testimony of two use of force experts, which the defense wanted to use regarding Travis McMichael Coast Guard training, and excluded the introduction of graphic footage of a dying Arbery. He excluded evidence that Arbery was on probation when he was murdered and allowed the introduction into evidence of photos and videos of a Confederate flag symbol on the truck that Travis McMichael used to pursue Arbery. I'm going to take a quick second here. Good. Everything that they tried to take out, or everything that he took out, was circumstantial at best. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to push, like, they're trying to make it like it was his fault that he died. All he was doing was going for a run. He was running. It's an open, and, okay, he was in the house. It was open. Maybe he wanted to buy it. Me, Who the heck knows? I, like, I see houses that are for construction, like, especially if you're walking around and you're, you're going and you're running or whatever, you see, oh, wait, they're building a new place. Let me see how that yeah. looks, you know? What? Um, there's no crime for looking at something, you know? What? Like, wouldn't you want to know what's what's going on, you know, what they're making, what's going, you know, we all do it. We're all, you know. Either we'll drive by or we'll walk by or, you know, we open yeah. the window and we're like, what's going on over there? You know? Yeah. Um, so that whole thing of, oh, well, he looked suspicious because he was looking. No, it's human nature to want to know. You know, it's curiosity. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what's not human nature is to feel that you can take the law in your own hands and take somebody's life when you don't, you're not like it's this is one of those cases where it flusters and it makes it where I want to stay quiet because I just get flustered with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And I mean, and there is, I mean, as of yet, there's no evidence that that the building that they were, um, the construction site said no trespassing, no nothing. The only thing that was um, was problematic, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. it was that the neighborhood that he was in was a white neighborhood and he was black. Which That's the only thing he did wrong. According to the three people that end up killing him. Which technically, that's just, that's just a them problem. If you have a problem because somebody is running in your neighborhood who's not your skin tone, then you know what? That's a you problem. Get Mm -hmm. over it. Close your eyes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What I still don't get is. I don't get what was the purpose of running after him. If you call the cop, the 911 and you tell them what's going on, you should just be like, okay, I'm going to leave it for them to take care of. This is in their hands. I'm, I'm done with, you know, I did my part. If it's something more, they'll handle it. If not, you know, so be. Okay. Um, so, evidence presentation by the defense. The defense protested, um, presented testimony on November 17th and 18th, 2021. Charles McMichael was the only defendant to testify. Gregory McMichaels and William Rowdy Bryan did not testify. On the first day of his testimony, Travis testified that crime increased in the neighborhood in the, moment, in the months before the shooting, but he did not have but he did not have complete information 
on who committed the crimes. He was aware that items were stolen from the boat at his neighbor's under construction property and that he knew that several people um, had entered the property, any of whom could have stolen the item. Twelve days before the shooting, he saw Arbery creeping outside the under construction house and he confronted Arbery, who, who reached towards his waistband, leading Travis to believe to leave, uh, leading Travis to leave and call 911. Um, because he was not, because he was not going to chase or investigate somebody who might be armed. On the day of the shooting, Gregory Michael, in a nearly frantic state, told Travis to grab your gun because the guy who has been breaking in down the road has run past their house. And Travis suspected that Aubrey had been caught breaking in or been involved in an altercation. Travis and Michael also testified that when he and his father chased Aubrey in Travis's vehicle, he caught up with Aubrey and recognized him as the person he saw 12 days earlier. He mistakenly thought his father indicated that the police had been called, had been called by him. He chased Aubrey to ask questions, with Travis asking, Hey, what are you doing? What's going on? However, Aubrey did not reply. He continued chasing and attempted to just escalate by asking Aubrey to stop. But Aubrey looked very angry, turned around and ran in the opposite direction. He caught up with Aubrey again, saying that police are on their way, causing Aubrey to run faster. And Travis became more suspicious. And Travis also chased Aubrey because he wanted to let the police know where Aubrey was at and what and watch what what was going on to see where he was going. Travis McMichael further testified that he circled the neighborhood to check Aubrey, eventually seeing Aubrey running beside a black truck, which Aubrey was hitting and grabbing, looking like he was trying to get in. Travis had not asked Brian to join the chase and they didn't know where Brian's black truck came from. Travis stopped his vehicle and got out. <clears throat> then again asked his father if he called the police, to which his father indicated he had no phone. He then saw Aubrey running towards him alone, viewed Aubrey as dangerous, shouted at Aubrey to stop, and reached for his shotgun from his vehicle to which Aubrey turned around and ran away. Regarding the final confrontation captured on video by Brian, Travis McMichael testified that he saw Aubrey once again running towards him, this time followed by the black truck. So Travis passed his, passed his cell phone to his father, thinking that Aubrey was going to attack. Travis pointed his shotgun at Aubrey to deter him to do not come at me. After that, Aubrey ran, ran around Travis' vehicle from, from the passenger side to the front, while Travis moved from the driver's side to the front of the vehicle to ensure that he could still see Aubrey. Thinking that Aubrey might be armed and was a threat to Greg, then Aubrey engaged Travis at the vehicle front, grabbing Travis's gun and hitting Travis. So Travis shot Aubrey to stop Aubrey from taking Travis's gun. On the second day of his testimony, Travis McMichael testified that he never told Aubrey that Aubrey was under arrest for any crime because I don't have I don't have time. I was still trying to get him to stop. That later, when making a statement to the police, Travis did not say he and Gregory were trying to arrest Aubrey. Then until the time Travis aimed his shotgun at Aubrey, Aubrey had not verbally threatened Travis or displayed any weapon. But Travis thought Arbery could be a threat because Arbery was running at him. Now, Travis told police that that day that he cannot remember if Arbery had grabbed Travis' gun when Travis shot him. But his account was inaccurate due to Travis suffering the most traumatic event of his life. Remembering Facebook posts Travis McMichael made before the shooting, he testified that in January 2019, he agreed with a neighbor who wrote that thieves should be made an example of. That's right. Hope y'all catch them 
excuse me, that's right. Hope y'all catch the vermin. Then when the neighbor indicated concern over how her father may interact with the thieves because he did not care about being jailed, he responded, that's what this world needs more of. My old man is the same way. Hell, I'm getting that way. And in July 2019, he wrote, I'm up in response to a post on local crime. Six residents of Santilla Shores testified on behalf of the defense, relaying their perception of crime in Santa Shores, as well as a Facebook page on Santa Shores in which crime was discussed. Um, I think his whole testimony is full of crap. I believe so as well, because I'm like, whether the town you're in or the town next door or the town, whatever, I don't care wherever you are at, right? Just because the crime rate is up does not give you authorization to take somebody else's life. That's what the cops are for. Mm -hmm. Not that the cops are there to take somebody else's life. I don't want to get that twisted. But the cops are there to arrest people for wrongdoing investigate what's actually going on they did not find out you know like go and say okay let's go find out you know you know it wasn't plain let's go be you know detectives and find out if this guy that's running is the guy that did whatever the case may be they went out wanting to kill somebody and they figured they had the perfect excuse you know nice. that's my theory and I, and I think that's evident by the by the father telling his son, get your gun. You don't get your gun because you want to, what's it called, citizens arrest someone that could have that could have been stealing in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't grab a gun for it. Secondly, the, the perception of him thinking that Arbery had a gun, if you pull out your shotgun and I have a gun, I'm shooting first. Sorry. As soon as I see you come out with a gun and I have one, I'm going to try to shoot first. Or I know I'm dead, one or the other. So, which means to me that he didn't have a gun because if he was trying to run around him, trying to get away from him, if he had a gun, why wouldn't he just pull it out and shoot? Exactly. Just saying. That's just me. I don't know. That's just me. Um, Okay. On November 24th, 2021, the jury uh, reached a verdict after 12 hours of deliberation spanning over two days. Travis McMichael was found guilty of malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault with the firearm and with the pickup truck, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit a felony. False imprisonment. Gregory McMichael was found guilty of four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggravated assault with the firearm and with the pickup truck, false imprisonment, a criminal attempt to commit a felony, false imprisonment. He was found not guilty of malice murder. Which is kinda of, which is kind of self explanatory because he wasn't the one that killed him, his son did. But um William Hardy. But shouldn't he at least get um like something with associations of it? Because he was there, he could have stopped it. He could Yeah, that's why he got the phone on some felony murder. I still think he should have been charged with it because I feel like he assisted with this whole action being done. Sure. I agree with that. Um William Rowdy Bryan was found guilty of three counts of felony murder, one count of aggravated assault with the pickup truck, false imprisonment, a criminal attempt to commit a felony, which is false imprisonment. He was found not guilty of malice murder, not guilty of one count of felony murder, and not guilty of one count of aggravated assault with a firearm. Bryan, to me, is a different case. Like... I understand that putting um, having Gregory with malice murder because he told his son to get the gun. He had his own gun. Like I understand that. Mm-hmm. As far as I, as far as from testimony that we've heard already, 
William Bryan was there, but he didn't do nothing. Like, he didn't chase him. He didn't, you know, like, he didn't really participate except for being in the truck and being there. But that's, that's where, okay, so, you remember, um, and I think we haven't done this in our podcast, but there was this murder done, I think, in New York, um, where everybody heard the lady scream. Mm. All the buildings around where she screamed and where she was killed heard her screams. No one called 911. No one tried to intervene. No one did anything. Everybody heard it, but nobody did anything. And yeah. that's where I feel like Brian should be charged for the same things because he just stood there and didn't try to intervene. Didn't try to stop what was going to happen or what happened. Like, once he heard the first shot, he should have said, guys, stop. Let's call 911. Let's get them out here. Let them handle this. Let's just detain him for the moment. Make a citizen's arrest until the cops comes. And then they can handle it and leave it to them. He heard the first shot. He heard the second shot. You know, so it was... My opinion is, if you can sit there and hear everything going on and see everything going on and not speak out, you are damn well part of the problem. You are part of the scenario. You should be charged of the same thing. Because I bet you he rode back home and probably had a couple of drinks with them that same moment, you know? Oh, I believe that. I believe that. I 100% believe that. I mean, because I would not get in the car knowing them because he was the best friend to the father. So, and the father is a nut job to say... To say it politely. I'm like, I have no association with that guy because he's just nuts, mm-hmm. you know. And then, like, why is it that the son was in the bed of the truck? Apparently, they had a plan. Yeah. I agree. Um, so, at the time of the, the sentencing, a car outside the Glen County courthouse cheered at the guilty verdict by the jury. So sentencing. As a result of the verdict, both the McMichaels and Bryans faced mandatory sentence of life imprisonment. The prosecution did not seek the death penalty in these cases. I don't understand why the blank not. And, I, and I'll repeat because um, she's making faces, so I'm, I was going to let her speak, but she's not. Um, so I my biggest thing with life imprisonment, if you murder somebody, you don't deserve life in prison. Mm-hmm. I'm also a person that has worked for many years, as Samantha is now working. I don't believe that our tax money should be spent on people like that, that commit a murder. And they, they should, like, for me, is. You create a, you committed a murder, you should die because of it. Why do we have to, even though more, two of these guys are old, they won't last 30 years, most likely. The son is young as heck. He could last another 50 to 60 years minimum. Mm-hmm. So we're, so people that pay taxes in the United States are paying for his food, his life in prison, his, if he wants to, you know how many people go and come up with law degrees? While people out here can't even do it and we're, and we're supporting them doing that. That's just my, that's me. You, you could say whatever you want about me. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll accept it, but I don't believe, you know, like, especially if you've been found guilty of a murder. It's different than somebody, a different type of crime. Yeah, most definite. But my thing is, I can understand 
if you murder somebody out of self-defense and now you just got to pay the piper. Fine. Yeah, that's so different. be it. Yeah, you know? that's different. Um, yeah. But when you take somebody's life for no damn reason but your own satisfaction, because let's be honest, that's what it was about. It was about sure. them having that that joy moment, you know, that thrill seeking, that adrenaline, okay? They did yeah. it. They thought they would get away with it, but they didn't, dumbasses that they are. I feel that they should get their life taken away. Right. You know? Yeah, I agree. If it was left to me, I would say we sh we can do it the fire squad way, you know, but they don't do that anymore in this country. So, unfortunately, we can't do that one. And the only humane way of doing it is lethal injection now, you know, but I, I think that would be too classy for them. It's it's I mean, and I'm going to go into a tangent here and I'm going to I'm going to try to cut it off as closely as quickly as I can. <laughs> But it's weird that they say that the humane way to kill someone now is lethal injection or the electric chair back in the day. Now that's not that's too inhumane. But the way these people are killing people is not is not humane either. Nope. You understand? So why should we treat them humanely if they didn't treat the guy, the person that they person or persons that they killed? You know what I'm saying? No, most definitely. Um, and it just, it just, I've come to the conclusion that when it comes to the law, it's a double, double-edged blade sword. Mm -hmm. Um, where it's basically, you, you, you do, you do something, but it's like there's always some weird consequence or there's always some weird corruption so that way the the ferritism is a little it's a, it's a little hard to explain what i'm trying to put out but i feel that in this case okay granted yes a lot of people say well they're gonna be they're serving life in jail okay now they got three square meals a day that like you said we're paying for it they get in TV, they don't have to bust their ass, okay? And they get to live, okay? While this young man, who could have had promising future, who could have had the potential of getting married and having children, correcting his ways, doing what he needs to do to strive for a better future for himself, you know? Right. Um... All that got snuffed out of from him, you know. Yeah. And it's not it's not right. And now this family also has to suffer because who's to say? Maybe he was, you know, the the heart of the family or the the spine for the family, you know. Right. Yeah. And now this family could be tearing apart. These fam this family could be going through some stuff because of losing a significant part of their family, you know? Yeah, I totally agree, 100%. Okay, so on January 7th, 2022, the McMichaels were sentenced to life imprisonment with no parole and an additional 20 years, while Brian was sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 30 years. In sentencing the defendants, Judge Wormsley said, remorse is something that's felt and demonstrated, <clears throat> noting that after Armory, uh, Ahmad Arbery fell, the McMichaels turned their backs and walked away. Wormsley further said that Gregory McMichael, very early on in this, uh, to establish a narrative. When at the crime scene, Gregory told Travis that he had no choice but to shoot, and that the, the crime and at the crime scene, Gregory described Arbery as an asshole. Remy indicated that Travis appeared to be more concerned about his own well-being, 
while Arbery lay dead at the crime scene, with Travis stating, this is the worst day of my life. In contrast, immediately after demonstrated that he had grave concerns that never, should have not occurred, and also did cooperate with law enforcement, said Wimsey. Attorneys for the defendant intend to appear. Um, so my thing is mm-hmm. the father and the son they it, it seems like they really didn't give two craps you know no this is like okay job done let's go get us a, a cold one you know right. um right which is like, dude, how, how do you go and just be like, you know, like nothing happened when you did this? And then the, the audacity to say, oh, this is the worst day of my life. Well, who told you to get out of your damn house? Who told you to go and freaking shoot somebody? You don't know. Who told you to shoot anybody for that instant, you know? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I mean, um, like when I when I when I saw because I was actually I was actually home that day. I saw the the sentencing, and I heard the judge say what he said, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can understand why Brian got a lesser sentence if you want to call it that. Um, he got thirty to life, mm-hmm. um, while the other two got life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Um, but he did. He was cooperating. He he knew after the fact, which I understand people that say, well, it was after the fact. It's too late. I get it. I understand. Um, but I, I'm a person that likes crime stories and crime shows. And I usually believe the detective that says first one, you know, the first one to accept the deal gets the best deal. I, I believe that. Yeah. First one to talk is the best deal. I guess is the right way to say it. Um, so, I mean, I can understand it, even though he should, for me, he should serve at minimum 30 um, and probably will get denied once or twice before he's eventually released, if he lives that long. Because at the time of this, of this, uh, that this occurred, he was 50. 30 years is 80. True. Plus, who knows how two, three years before since since the trial till you know I guess that happened in 2018, 2019. So you talk about 82 minimum, 81, 82. I mean, and that's I don't somebody think in the jail doesn't do something to him. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's a totally different you know. But I mean, if he lives that long, if he's protected. Which he might be, who knows? Um, I don't see him lasting the the first thirty. To be quite honest, he looked he looked like crap to me in the in the on the TV. He looked older than the older guy than the other um, Mc, the McMahon, uh, McMichael. Wow. So, um, I agree with you that the other two were set out to kill. And it's evident again by him turning them both turning around like we got the job done. It's over. Because they were never gonna citizen arrest him. No. You know, they had they had their mind set up that they're gonna kill. So yeah. That's that's the that's the case. I'm sorry if I went too fast. I just wanted to kinda of get it done because it pissed me off when I first heard it. It pissed me more off after the trial. And I knew it was gonna piss me off again, so I didn't want to try. I'm I'm trying not to curse as much. No, I hear you. So, I, I guess I can I can live with the with the charges. I can live with that, you know. Um. If you guys have any cases that you guys want us to 
um, listen to or do some do a case on, um, you can always email us at murdersintentions21 at gmail.com. Or if you want to hit a like and follow us to find out any new sneak peeks, um, you can always follow our Instagram at murderous underscore intentions underscore podcast. Or you can always tweet us at MI True Cry Podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is one of those cases that it was it was a senseless murder made no damn sense why this person had to do what he had to do. Um, yeah, unfortunately, a young man who probably had so much potential to do greatness um, was tooking, took away. Um, if there's any like new laws that come, from this case, we'll definitely update you guys about it. Let you guys know what it is. Um, other than that, enjoy your weekend. Um, sorry it came two days late, this podcast. Um, we are... Um, I'm having some little issues in my in my area where the snowstorm was actually affecting every, the area and things running into my personal life. So... We finally got a quiet moment uh, today on President's Day. Yay! Not that great. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, I just like it because it's a day off for me. Um, yeah. So we got it quiet gets, and we were able to do this. Life gets in the way sometimes and we, we try to do it as quickly as we can, but crap happens all the time. So. Yes. Yeah. Like you probably heard my kids running around. Um, probably heard our lovely lovely sidekick you know murderous intention podcast you know m mascot molly story yeah. in the background <laughs> um yeah. yes one day i need to post a picture of her that way uh, another picture that way you guys can see how she really looks besides her sleeping pose um Not sleeping pose, yeah. <laughs> so true yes we um, see that and then um, that is all I know about to, for this week. Um, definitely Saturday we will have a new podcast. Um, and then we go into March Madness. So That'll be good. Yes, it is going to be awesome. We're going to bring to you a lot of criminal intentions. Yeah. <laughs> that was just weird. <laughs> um, so have fun enjoy bye guys see you next week